0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling all nerds. We're creating an accessible festival made for us. Black, indigenous, people of color, and the rainbow community into LARP, gaming, magic, and more. We'll have live music, panels, vendors, and space for you to camp out so you don't miss any of the three-day weekend of fun. Tickets are available now. Go to decolonizeanddiscover.com. We're taking back the nerd space, y'all.
2: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club I'm your host, Tyler Bell Welcome back to the program It is, God, it's May, almost June Our new season has begun Our new official season of the West Side Fairy Tales I hope all of you are out there listening to Sin Carriers Get us some downloads, get it going um, I, I just want to start off this by, by this time Like, hey, if you're out there um, this is the big push This season is the huge push for the West Side Tales. So I'm going to need everybody's help um, Start to finish You know, No more complaining, no more whining I'm going to be doing everything I can I'm going to be getting out there to conventions Fucking COVID is over um, I finally got it, and I'll talk about that later But you know, we, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing hard um, I'm trying to get to At least 100 subs By the end of this calendar year I hope you guys can help me out there If you have a dollar, five dollars um, to, to, to throw over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Westside fairy tales, Tyler bell, the creator, Tyler bell, the West side fairy tales is creating podcasts. I can't remember. I, I'm trying to do this, uh, more hype than I can. We're really trying to grow the podcast this year, guys. We're, we're really trying to like blow shit up. It's it, it's fuck COVID, fuck everything that's going on in the united states right now. This is the focus. This is the fucking year. This is the 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 season of the fucking witch. And uh, the witch is is me. I am the witch. <laughs> and the spell I'm casting is good fucking content, you know what I'm saying? Um or we're going to hop into the program here shortly, but uh but for real, um definitely please if you get a second hop over to the patreon try to get that shit going if you haven't shared the podcast with anybody share this motherfucker get it out with everybody tell the world all right because i'm going to be starting to travel around the united states of america and going to conventions any convention i can get to i'm going to go to it any uh, novel accepting fucking like hey we're accepting submissions for novels i will be submitting every award show i'm going to be submitting we have to blow this thing up i've been sleeping on myself for too long so we're, we're gonna try to blow this shit up 100 subs by the end of the year please help me out we're at 60 something right now we took a hit in the off season. Um, not, not surprised, not surprising, you know, it's fucking tough out there, but we're going to fucking do this. And uh, if I give you, if you guys help me out, I think we can, I think we can get it. What are the rewards for that? Um, right now we have a comic, a uh, I'm, I'm, I'm making a comic. I decided to learn how to draw. I've kind of taught myself I'm getting better every day. <laughs> and I've always wanted to make a comic book so if you guys don't know about this um, I think I've been teasing it a bit but the first two pages are out the third page is being drawn as we speak and uh, it's called The Lamplighter it takes place in the um, Empire arc empire era kingdom era i can't remember exactly what i called it uh it's the agorian empire in the uh, far flung future of the west side fairy tales this is gonna be a semi short run comic it is only going to be released to the public if we hit 100 subs by the end of this year otherwise it is going to stay on the patreon and remain a patreon only exclusive we're going to be getting a lot more exclusive only content um going forward because I got to push this stuff man. I really do Getting too old staying too small. I gotta I gotta blow this thing up guys So I need your help if you can get out there spread the word tell other people and uh, and you can get into this Um lamplighter comic. I think it's going to be a blast. I'm aiming for 22 pages It's me. So uh, more than likely it's probably going to end up being something like 150 page long small thing that's going on if you sub at the five dollar or higher level Dude, you get access to it immediately. It's going to be in there. I'm probably going to end up having to make a um, folder or something for it. And uh, then you'll be able to read it start to finish. And maybe I'll even make a locked off portion of the website with like a secret link where you can go and read it like start to finish. But for now, it's just kind of it's just kind of floating there. But it's canon. It's fun. It's going to be some cool shit. In addition to that, we're going to have some other like small story bits and pieces that are going to be coming out during the season. I have decided from now on, uh, content episodes, fiction episodes are going to be once a month tops. Unfortunately, the I know some people like to have the whole big story out there within a year, but um, it doesn't work for me. And especially at the current level that we are at i i just can't put out that much content so if we can get bigger and bigger if we get up to 500 subs you know by uh by then and maybe next year or something if we can push a big goal like that then we can get it faster because i can hire some more people on but i kind of gotta i have gotta i've gotta stop things <laughs> before i continue uh working myself over but today we get a good story for uh, a good show for you. I think I'm going to be talking about uh, I got COVID and um, I, I was I was debilitatingly sick for a full fucking week. Uh, I'm going to talk about William Peter Blatty and um, one of the worst audiobooks I've ever listened to. I'm still dragging myself through it. I'm going to talk about Stalker the 1979 Soviet film about some guys walking around in a busted out area called the zone and, uh, and maybe some other stuff. So tune in, hang out and uh, enjoy this episode of the West side fairy tales, horror and lit club. Okay. So uh, I got COVID. I finally, I finally got it. It's been two years and three months since the the start of the pandemic, I think roughly, if I'm I'm doing that right, I think it started in a February. Uh, some people say it started in the March. I feel I feel like it was the February because I remember. I think I I think I remember at least that it was like Fat Tuesday. Is Fat Tuesday in March? Now I'm completely confused. But anyway. Um, I I remember it was just, you know, the, just before the beginning of the Easter season and people were like, you know, we might not be able to do Easter mass. And everyone was talking about like, that's the worst possible thing that could, that could ever happen. That's, that's gotta be as bad as it could get Uh, wrong. First and foremost, you are fucking wrong. (laughs) What 20 million fucking dead people. Across the world, like almost about a million of them in Americans. And uh, we're, we're still killing people. We're just bored with it now. It's time to talk about Ukraine. But holy shit. Um, I caught it. I didn't think I have it. I can tell you exactly how I caught it. I went to a fucking baseball game for the first time in two years. It was an almost completely empty stadium. It was a rain delay game that was pushed. It didn't even start until like six. It was supposed to start, or it didn't start until like seven. And then it went to like nine clock and it only they only went for seven innings and it was still a, almost completely empty and i still got fucking infected because it was goddamn marvel movie night so we were surrounded by children um and i made that the best fucking night of a lot of those kids lives so i was out there i'm bored and i'm a little drunk and when I do that, I start doing the voices. All right. I, I know you guys enjoy the voices because you, you come here to listen to them. You like them. But when I, I just do them in public all the time. Uh, I can't help it. It is like a neurodivergency on my part that I just cannot do. And um, I'm just out there like, all right, now it's the top of the seventh. He's cracked it out to midfield. That is another return. Fast back to the first base. That's an out. That's two on the board for Louisville sluggers. Uh, just a great showing. Next we've got, you know, Juan Ramirez. He's got a low batting average, people. One forty-seven. But the pitcher is not on fire tonight, and I, we, we we might see we might see a knockout field. Let's just go ahead. Everybody in the stands. You know, even if this isn't going to be the best, night, this is one of the last rounds, one of the last possible runs of the night. Let's put our hands together for Mr. Ramirez and just get it going. And I was doing this shit just two, two seats back from the field. All of these kids were staring at me, bug eyed, like, are you an umpire? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm an announcer not even for baseball. I don't know, by the way, here's the key. I don't know shit about baseball and I could fucking announce a baseball game because all I was doing was reading. I used the power of uh, a fucking sixth grade reading level to just <laughs> look at the things that were on all of the boards and just read them. And it was unbelievably fun. Uh, it, it, but Narrating baseball is um, makes baseball tolerable for me. I did find that out. Um, Normally, baseball is crushingly, crushingly boring to me. I fucking, I hate it. I hate that sport so bad. It really is just like a backyard sport for white people that uh, somehow just grew massively out of control and became like uh, way too big for way too long. Us and the Japanese and all of the, you know, most of like South America are like the only people that give such a fuck about baseball it is insane um i used to like it when i was a kid i played baseball and stuff so like i know a little bit about it but uh it is just it's just so slow you know it takes forever people just walk for most of the game they just walk or they stand there (laughs) and then one guy gets a oh there it goes all right which high center field and i'm sorry to say but that is gonna be that is going to be another out, and that will wind up third inning down. Bats up by two over the visiting ostriches, and we are heading back into the top of the fourth. It's just, can, I can just like it, it moves so slowly. I can just make up stuff as long as I do that voice, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But these kids were giving a fucking. They were, they were. There was dozens of them. They were all over. So there was like the five that were supposed to be sitting in the seats where they were. And then there was like a half dozen more where their parents are just like, ah, fuck it. Just go down there. Just go down there. No one cares. Just go down there. They weren't from Boston. They're from Louisville. But I'm going to do that voice anyway. So these these kids, they, uh, they go down there, man. And uh, they are just like living for it, you know. And I'm doing the thing and it's a really slow game and there was one point where the <laughs> fucking guy um I, I can't remember what number he was but obviously he's the left fielder because that's where we were and this dude had practice balls and stuff and the kids are like can we get a ball can we get a ball and i taught them the power of organizing and in unity and so i just made up i think it was like hey they're 15 hey they're 15 so I was just whatever, I just, his number. Hey there, 15, give the kids a ball. Hey there, 15, give the kids a ball. And I was, I started it and the kids looked at me and their parents, while they started chanting, like, are we allowed, this is a new chant. Are we allowed to just do this? And their parents were like, oh, hey there, 15. And then the whole section was just cheering for this guy. And he just like turned around, he's like, and then when he threw it to the kids, we all stood up. Yeah. And dude, this fucking triple A, double A, whatever the fuck, ball player, what he walked away like the coolest person that has ever existed. Why he did the deuce over the back. It was his moment, man. It was his fucking moment, and, like, he was hustling and shit. My man was returning balls, like, with extra aggression. Um, the bats were not that good that season, but that that day, dude, they uh, they went in 7-0, seven, seven I think. Yeah, we won we 7-0. It's all because I was there. Uh, it had nothing to do with the, the strength of the players or the coaching. It was not because, uh, for some reason, Joey Votto was batting for the bats. Joey was Joey Votto from the Cincinnati Reds, a uh, professional baseball player, uh, super pro, like MLB pro baseball player for the Cincinnati Reds, who is a notoriously good hitter. Uh, he was there batting, and uh, he was on a he was on hospital, but this was a hospital game or whatever the fuck they call it. He was uh, he was doing he was doing injury recovery or something and getting back in, so they let him uh, they let him bat in the triple A in the goddamn triple A. <laughs> Goddamn triple A pitchers threw balls on him the whole time. They walked him every time. So technically he contributed nothing except for uh being being a body on a bag when they did an RBI. But I God God bless him. God bless him. Anyway. So as fun as that was, and as drunk as I got, uh, that was my last good day of the last two weeks. Holy shit. Um the next day I was just like, eh, eh, at. Eh. And I couldn't like, I couldn't quite clear my throat. Monday came along and I started coughing and then motherfucking uh, Monday night to Tuesday morning was one of the worst nights of my life. I was absolutely destroyed. Dude, I have never been. I have never been so fucking sick in my life. Um, So I've never even gotten the chills like I've gotten fevers and stuff when I was in boot camp. I got bilateral pneumonia, which, I mean, I guess I was about to die. I was so sick. Um, And I got, like, taken out of my training platoon and put in the fucking hospital platoon for uh, a week and a half, two weeks, which was miserable. But I only got that sick because I was in fucking boot camp and, like, you're not allowed to take care of yourself. They're like, oh, if you're sick, just fucking yell louder and you'll get the sickness out of you. And, like, no. Drill instructors are, like, literal brainlets they're the stupidest people in the world i swear to god god bless them but jesus christ so i got fucking hilariously sick and i'm pretty sure i got other guys in my unit sick because like four people dropped with me to the hospital platoon but now i was the worst of all of them and i had literal bilateral pneumonia i had uh blood oxygen level that was like whatever so it's like the blood oxygen is like the percent of I guess oxygen uptake by your blood cells. I don't know how it fucking works. If you're a nurse out there, feel free to correct me. I have no fucking clue how blood oxygen level works. But the, uh, mine was like five or six notches above catatonic. Like I was literally, they're like, you're not supposed to be moving. They take it in three different ways, right? So you have to do one where you're basically laying down for like 10 or 15 minutes and then your like heart stops beating as fast as it can go and like they you're completely like chilled out and they take it and then they do one where you're standing up after that so that they can make sure like you standing up and just using that much amount of effort like you're getting enough blood and then like the third way is like actually under duress so you like get on like a pedal bike or or i think it's like yeah it's like a sit down pedal bike and then they measure you and you have to do them all in order so that you don't fucking die or pass out or anything. Cause you know, obviously if your blood oxygen low is low, you're at, at, at semi critical risk of a, of a major fall injury from passing out and hitting your head on the fucking tile. Because there are no soft surfaces in the Marine Corps. Everything is somehow fucking hard. And if you fall on a soft surface, you're going to be you, somehow your head is going to hit the only rock that's buried there but i was laying down and getting my shit and this is like literally three days after my drone so you're a pussy if you just fucking fall harder i'm like i think i need to go to the hospital i can't breathe and my fucking corpsman at the hospital is like nope you're gonna get a clean bill health you're a malinger I'm like uh, okay i can't breathe and i can't barely focus on what you're saying i get sent to the hospital where they use machines instead of fucking i don't know Uh, dick dumb fuck intuition to try to figure out the problems with you and they're like oh fuck you're gonna die (laughs) oh my god so i had like it was like 64 or 84 i remember that it was uh uh two even digits and the 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 corpsman there who are they're actually hospital corpsman not like Uh, I don't know, whatever the degenerate field corpsman, if you're if you when you graduate corpsman school, there's a unspoken rule that if you're really qualified and you're super good at your job and like you are probably to be trusted around like sick people and stuff and you like care for human beings, you'll never go anywhere near the fleet Marine Corps, no closer than a naval hospital. (laughs) That you go to be a nurse cause you're useful. If you're like a degenerate, like a sketchy guy who would like do illegal things like lose shot records or like get butt hurt because like a sick person was like, I don't trust you. You're not an actual medical professional. Then they send you to the fleet Marine Corps so that you can just mistreat patients and like make problems worse. The actual hospital corpsman, he checked my shit and was like, you're going to fucking die. And then they took me out of everything. And they're like, okay, you do nothing. You do nothing but lay down. If a drill instructor tells you to get up and move, you hold this thing so that they can see it. And then you don't move. You are not allowed to move for like three days. And for three days, I literally was in a bed. And I had to have another recruit nearby to like walk with me to go to the bathroom in case I passed out and like fucking died, like hit my head or something like that. And it was, I got worse before I got better and I had to take all shit, all kinds of antibiotics. And that's just basically because of when you're in the military, like uh, people just like exist on idealism. Like, And that's why you have to not listen to your higher-ups if you're in the military. If you're a young person in the military, go based on whatever the material conditions are around you, all right? Don't ever think that you can just angry yourself through shit because that's how you end up with, like, a serious injury. And then that's also how you end up being a guy that never goes to the VA and then just limps for the rest of their life because they're like, well, I'm getting by on pride. Like, no, you're just a fucking dumbass. The military but uh I, you know so i got through that and like i was like sick but i got better really quickly like i for 3 days i got like kind of sicker as like the bilateral pneumonia got worse but like i took my my antibiotics cuz it was a it was a bacterial pneumonia infection not viral pneumonia or whatever the fuck and like i i got over it like pretty quickly and then over the next week i got my strength back i started eating again i lost like Forty pounds. I dropped down to 165 pounds at six four, which is very skinny. I was uh, they had to put me on double rats. That's how much weight I lost. That's how sick I was. Um, but also like I was still a young person and shit. But also like I was in the military. I just, I, you really just can't. I can't express in words how poor the care is in the medical facilities when you're a fucking recruit, or just in the infantry in general. But man, I got COVID and I have never been fucked up off of a sickness like COVID like COVID did. It was insane. When I got sick in boot camp and got sick, I just started I just got like a cold and just kept getting sicker. Because I wasn't treating it, right? When I got this, I was actively trying to treat it the entire time. I never didn't not be like, oh, okay, I'm sick. So, you know, I was just like, okay, I'll take my medicine. I will get sleep. I'm drinking water. I am not trying to run three miles. I didn't go to the gym. I did on Monday, but that's before I knew I was going to be like sick, sick. And then like, I think it was actually Tuesday night is when it fucking hit me. And Tuesday night came and I got fucked up. It was, I was fine. I was at my computer working. I was feeling a little groggy. And then I went to bed and like, all of a sudden I started shaking. I mean, full body. And I was shivering, freezing cold with my skin hot. Like, so it was, it's, it's fucking Louisville, Kentucky is where I live. And last week it was pretty fucking warm. I think it was pushing 80 something. And, you know, we don't keep our fucking AC particularly low where it's like 71, 70 when we sleep. So I was plenty going to be plenty warm. Right. And I have my fan going full blast over the top of me. And like, I was sweating, shivering, like I was going to die. I had to put on like I had turned my fan off and put on clothes, but I also couldn't take the shit covers off because my skin was actually fucking like cold. And like so I was I was way too hot and I was overheating. I was shivering cold and it's never happened to me before. And I don't mean shivering like just like a little bit. My body was like all night, full bore shaking, like the dog couldn't sleep next to me for I think five hours, four or five hours, right? And on top of this, I had to drink. I was so thirsty. I drank a full liter of water and pissed that motherfucker out in like, like on the hour, every hour, all night. And I could barely like walk. I couldn't focus on shit. I got, I got dumb, dude, which is the craziest part. I woke up the next day delirious miserable and like this i still i didn't have the cough yet which is the craziest part i was just clearing my throat i mean, like and like just a little bit and so that whole day it was like and i was delirious and 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 then like that night i started developing the cough and then into friday i think like right around friday came around i got the cough and the cough was terrible constant i mean like to the point where i was like almost vomiting i was coughing so hard it was horrible if i was in the military i would not be surprised if i had fucking died especially like in the early 2000s when i were in the mid 2000s when i was in and like people were especially stupid and we were in the middle of the fucking push like oh my god it was 2006 when all of boot camp boot camp Uh, Marine Corps boot camp. They were reactivating areas. They were talking about um, reforming the fifth, sixth, I guess, technically, recruit training battalion. I can't remember how many. I think there's four male and one female, and they were going to make the fifth male one up again so they could like get even more recruits in, but it never got to that bad. But they were like, using old buildings they were using old this and old that they were fucking opening every fucking every old storage hatch and like basically cleaning out the attic to give people shit and the fucking care was terrible and everybody were cunts because everybody was fucking like i'm on my third deployment dude i would have fucking i would have probably died (laughs) it's no joke man I have never been as sick as I was with COVID and it persisted, man. I'm still sick probably to a degree. I, I I feel better. I can finally breathe for like six days. And I mean, I'm taking it easy. Like, I mean, I'm not taking it easy. Like maybe other people did. I, you know, I'm me still. So I'm still trying to work. Um, I could draw at least a little bit. So I was like, fuck it. I'll work on the goddamn comic and shit. And but I couldn't write. I could not write to save my life. I during my project while I was sick was to finish all of the flavor text for all of the um, episodes of Sin Carriers. So, you know, like the previously on Sin Carriers, next time on Sin Carriers, all that shit, which takes fucking forever, and it's just, it's mind numbing and it's extremely boring to do. I could not focus on the work long enough to do that. Like my wife would talk to me, and I literally couldn't understand what she was saying. Um, I had to call somebody the day after I was like crushingly ill to like reschedule so that they wouldn't come over to our house while I was sick. And it took me like an hour to just get up the strength necessary to like call someone on the phone. I was fucking wrecked i tried to go for a walk after the first two nights i tried to go go for a walk with uh, my wife and the dog every night just so that i could try to get some like fresh air and just get out there and like try to breathe and i mean end of the street uh, 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 i'd have to stop walking i got like snippy with my wife a few times because she's just like i'm walking my dog and i'd be like you need to stop i can't breathe stop walking don't leave me here <laughs> oh man Just completely dizzy and coughing Like crazy I mean our neighborhood's pretty empty So don't worry I wasn't going and like fucking coughing on people And we crossed the road but Man it was Unbelievably rough and I'm finally getting To the end of it but of course it's just like Everything that happens in this goddamn podcast. podcast um, I'm gonna be a little bit behind now I think I'm definitely behind with the HLC obviously It was supposed to come out last week I think if i sort of buckle down and nothing bad happens i can for sure get out the next episode and that would put us for the most part back on schedule but like kind of just everything else sort of in my life it's just all pushed back and so like a lot of really what this affects is all the minor things so like um some of the patreon um gifts and stuff I, i'm not fulfilling any physical patreon shit for another week or so just because i don't want to mail anybody covid <laughs> that would probably be bad um so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna wait a little bit and i'm gonna hit everything with like some lysol or some shit before i before i send stuff out but oh my god um yeah that's that's the sort of stuff that's gonna be that gonna be gonna be delayed that putting the sin carriers um Ebook chapters together is going to be delayed But I mean, yeah, the second chapter will come out And then before the third one comes out Those will start be popping uh, the, the, the thing that bugs me most about being delayed Is definitely the uh, card game Because I really do want to try to get that out And make that available to people Because it's so much fucking fun And uh, I really think that there's some sort of like in there I don't know anything about marketing a card game I don't know anything about selling it I don't know anything about really testing it Aside from like having other people play it But you know, how fucking hard could they have worked on Uno before they got it out? I don't know. But I really do think that there's like, uh, there's a market out there for a card game that is simple and like fun to play and like also extremely competitive without having to have uh, a rule book that is thicker than the card game to play and then like booster cards and like extra decks and side decks and and then and, in and, and, and the third revised edition deck. Yeah, whatever. But, man, no, that was COVID. I think I'm about better. I almost, I almost got fucking just absolutely greased by this disease. It's insane. If you're out there and you haven't got your vaccine yet, you fucking goofball, go get your vaccine. Jesus Christ. Nobody should be this sick. I think the most insane thing about this that drives me fucking nuts, you know, I know some of it is like you can't go out. And the early stages of it, because you could spread it around or whatever, depending on like how fast the sickness gets to you. But God damn, dude, anybody that was going out with this kind of sickness and being like, I need to be at church. (laughs) You're a piece of shit, dude. If you were this sick and you were going out around people, potentially infecting them, you are garbage. Oh, my God. I cannot believe the audacity you must have. Dude, we fucking—I got—dude, by the second day, when I was just like, oh, shit, I'm sick, sick, I was like, I can't fucking risk. We almost had a guy come over here to clean our vents, and I'm, like, barely able to breathe, like, gotta make sure he doesn't get over here because I don't even want to open the door to tell him to go away because I'm so fucking ill. Leave all of my shit on the front porch. You know, during COVID, I was always a little bit worried like maybe it's not as bad as people say. Maybe these precautions are excessive. Dude, I caught this stuff on on a fucking like just from people that probably didn't even know they were sick yet, just absolutely caught it. And then it debilitated me for fucking weeks, dude. Oh my, I'm still technically sick. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think, I think I'm past the contagious part, but I'm still like not hundred percent. I'm at like 85%, but I'm here. I'm here talking to you guys. But, uh, but yeah, now that it's done, I, I think I'm going to get back into it. But God damn, man, COVID, fucking COVID. My wife's coughing in the other thing, but I think I'm going to end the segment there. But uh, yeah, man, just if you're out there, get your, get your vaccine. If you think you're sick for any kind of illness, just going forward wear a mask so you don't spread it to people and maybe consider not going to get your fucking hair done liz jennifer kyle with your fucking frosted tips you don't need to do that take a break be sick in your house catch up on better call saul that's what i did that's what you can do too okay that's that's the end of the segment Oh my god. So I've been meaning to talk about something for a long time and that is The Exorcist as narrated by William Peter Blatty, the writer of The Exorcist. It's rare. I've 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 listened to, I listen to audiobooks now. It's what I do especially now that I'm getting into um
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: drawing and stuff i can actually like listen to shit again i might even start listening to podcasts uh again for the first time in a while um i know right but like, um, I I just don't have time. Like when I work, when everybody else does work, they usually have work that they can do, and they can listen to a podcast. All of my work is making a fucking podcast, which is something you can't do and listen to podcasts. When I was working as a security guard, podcasts all day, back and forth from work, baby. When I was working as a aftermarket parts installer at at at, at, at as a third party um business that went around from dealership to dealership crawling around underneath fucking ford f-350s and attaching goddamn step-up bars podcasts all day eight hours a podcast can't get enough of a, but now man you know i work on the goddamn podcast i can't I look i'm working right now i can't listen to a podcast right now i'm working making a podcast fucking bullshit right but I've been, uh, now that I've picked up a drawing as a hobby slash future uh, income source, because I'm a sociopath that can't have anything to himself without trying to monetize it, um, I've been listening to uh, more audiobooks. And now that I'm back in the gym, too, audiobooks, audiobooks, audiobooks. It's very nice. Uh, before this, uh, <laughs> before I got back into William Peter Blatty. So, uh, William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist is like a horror classic, right? I've, obviously, almost everybody's seen the movie from the 1970s or whatever it is. Uh, this book was written shortly before, as is the case with a lot of movies that were made in the 60s. Actually, really through like the 40s through 80s. Um, people would write a book and they would make a movie of it like the next year or two years afterward to the point where you can tell. And this movie is this book is fucking shameless. That not only is this was this made to be adapted into a movie quite shamelessly, um, it takes place in Hollywood and there are suggestions, kind of in a general sense, of who should be playing all the fucking characters. <laughs> Fuck it, absolutely shameless. But I I, I bought this on Audible. I could look it up on my phone, but I don't really feel like it. I think in 2016. I'm not even kidding. It's been over half a decade since i bought this fucking book um, back then i was listening to kind of anything i could get my hands on a lot of horror i was trying to expand stuff this is like right before the the west side fairy tales horror and Lit club started i was trying to get some recommendations and stuff because i used to do my daily recommendation before everything but i can't really do that anymore because i ran out of all of the books the dozens and, and dozens of books that i i had that like I liked for a recommendation and then I had to start reading as many new ones as I could. And I discovered that, um, books that I can actually recommend that I would consider like a 10 out of 10 are, are, are far and few in between. <laughs> i am always, I'm always hesitant to make a recommendation, especially if it's one I don't hundred percent believe in. Um, just as a, as another aside, because when I was a reporter, I did a story on this place called the Pocosin restaurant. I don't know. It was in Pocosin, Virginia, which is right on the coast, right? And they were restarting this place. It was like the Pocosin eatery or the Pocosin something. But they had the Pocosin burger, right? Which was a legendary burger. And all the people in Pocosin, they're very white. It's the whitest fucking town i've ever lived in everybody has a median income of like 220k half of them are retirees from nasa and the other half are retirees from the fucking navy or uh the naval shipyards it's all rich ancient fucking white people and so i should have been suspicious but they said they had a burger up there called the Picosan burgers best burger ever right and i wrote about it and I didn't say it was the best burger ever. I said it was that they said it was the best burger ever. I never had one. They said it was coming back, and they're getting the official Pecosen Burger back when they reopen this place from the original distributor, which I already thought was weird. I was like, why do you have to buy your legendary burger from someplace that comes from not here? I'll tell you why. It's because it comes pre-made frozen, and then you fucking cook it up. It's a frozen burger. The fucking Burger. A lady wrote me up, I think, two days after that story came, or two days after the place opened, which was like a week after the story came out, and she wrote me a scathing letter, a scathing letter directly to my email. I drove an hour north from like fucking, uh, from Roanoke, or not from Roanoke, what the hell is south of us, Norfolk. I drove like an hour and a half north from Norfolk to visit, This Pocosin restaurant you spoke so highly of. And I had their Pocosin burger, and it was disgusting, all caps. I'm never taking another recommendation from you again. Mind you, I did not recommend the Pocosin burger. I think I even included in the story that it's not even for sale yet, which would preclude my ability to have ever had a fucking Pocosin burger. And yet, and yet, she was she was pissed that i recommended it to her so you know whatever i'll tell you what though her uh not wanting to eat it definitely saved me from um ever trying to eat it myself which was a good thing <laughs> i never i never had a disgusting fricosenberg burger only only that lady so you know uh back in back in the the mid early twenty six or mid 2010s mid 2010s mid teens whatever the fuck you call it um, I, You know, I started getting into Audible and I would listen to Audible and I would play like, uh you know, just giant open world games that just you mindlessly go from place to place and commit uh, commit complete like racing challenges and shit. And I would listen to these. I listen to like nine or seven of the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time things and all kinds of stuff. I listened to one really, really good horror story called The Historian. By a uh, Russian name, lady, the recommendations. It's it, it's in there. It's in there. I just absolutely just destroyed my desk trying to gesture. But um, at that point, I was like, hey, you know what? The Exorcist is in here by William Peter Blatty, narrated by the author, William Peter Blatty. Hey, how, how about that? That could be, That could be an experience. <laughs> fucking wrong. I have been listening to this fucking book in fits and starts for six years. I listened to two hours of it at the beginning. And I remember I was driving north and I stopped driving and I pulled over and I bought a different book on Audible so that I wouldn't have to listen to it anymore. Cause it started off me being like, this isn't that great. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get into it or something, you know. And then like I'm blaming myself. I'm like, well, you know, this guy's like a legend in the horror world. Maybe I'm just not experiencing it and then after a certain point I'm just like man fuck this I guess I ain't got no culture like I can't take that shit anymore. And the problem with it is uh, numerous. I think even if I was reading William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, I wouldn't like it very much. It's not a good book. It's actually fucking dog shit honestly. I I think it might be one of the less good horror novels I've ever read I will scrap with people in the comments about this if you like William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist I'm sorry that I keep saying that but every time I turn on fucking audible it says William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist as read by William Peter Blatty there is some part of that that is just so fucking stupid it's funny to me it's like that is a joke from uh, one of those sitcoms about, you know, famous people. I, you know That's a joke from BoJack Horseman that just never made it in. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so the story itself, I haven't finished it yet. Um, uh, here's one minor spoiler. I think I'm two and a half, maybe three hours from the end of this, like, 12-hour book that has taken me over half a decade to try to finish. And uh, we still have yet to get to the fucking exorcism. So as you may as you may uh surmise from that a ton of shit happens that's not a fucking exorcism in this book and uh what you might hope is that any of that shit is interesting at all and what you will find if you get into this book is that fucking none of it is it is dull as dishwater bullshit written by a guy who has to close the windows when he shits and turns the fan off so he can smell every greasy ounce of his own farts. My man, William Peter Blatty, God rest his fucking soul is a dick and he is full of himself. And I can tell from the way he writes that this is true, but you know what? Hey, fuck it. He probably made like a billion goddamn dollars off of the exorcist and all of the fucking subsequent films, which are all better than this book. Including the original one which is boring um, And you know Good for him I You fucking smell your own farts I guess They're worth a million dollars Fuck off I Do it The story is about uh, What's her name Chris something I don't give a fuck And she's an actress She's a famous Hollywood actress She's got a kid She's divorced The kid's name is Reagan, As you probably know She talks to And I don't know if this is actually in the Exorcist movie as much but she talks to her special friend, Mr. Howdy, who has, is actually a devil, right? Okay. The first half of this entire fucking story is just them even figuring out that something's wrong with Reagan. And for most of the time, nothing's fucking wrong with Reagan. And it is conversation after banal conversation about Chris and her future and shit she's gonna do and and basically like it's really like the entire fucking first part of this story is about how much of a burden basically reagan is gonna be i didn't really get that because i don't give a fuck about some rich hollywood bitch at all in a general sense like i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck what any like lady or dude in general that's a millionaire in hollywood is doing right now i amber heard is a trial for her life i don't give a fuck if she just swam out into the pacific ocean and vanished tomorrow it would be a a, a, a pinpoint of a conversation and then i would never talk about it again and like in this, it's like, uh, what? What would you give a fuck about Amber Heard talking to her nanny about like if the nanny can come in on Sunday and on Tuesday? And like, hey, can you put those traps in the attic? And then she's like being mean to the guy who needs to put the traps in the attic. And then she goes and checks the traps in the attic. There's nothing in the traps in the attic. Like the there's noises in the attic is, like, so fucking long. Like, I remember I was doing, like, fucking bench press to this shit, and, like, I think it fueled me to reach a higher level because I was so fucking irritated that this 225-pound bar on my chest had to fucking get done being pushed so that I could take these fucking earphones out of my fucking head and just be like, give me two seconds. Like, I, in the gym, normally, if I'm listening to another audiobook, like, I just listen to it in between sets. I'll sit there, I'll vibe, I'll vibe with the audiobook. Even some of the less good ones, like that fucking piece of shit from Ronald Malfi I listened to a few weeks back. Even those, like, I'll listen to it in a general sense. Every time I finished a set, I had to just be like, God damn it, turn on TikTok, take a breath, because this bitch was fucking so goddamn irritating. And every the way that Blatty writes, he's so fucking self-satisfied and he talks so self-satisfied. I'm not even into his narration yet. I'm just fucking getting him. I'm sorry. He's dead. If you're a fucking relative of William Peter Blatty, I'm sorry to find for you to find out about this after the fact. But he's actually a criminal. He's a fucking danger to society. He's a fucking trash can of an author. Oh, my God. There's probably people out there that just fucking took advice from this guy and they never went anywhere. And they're like, why? why, what happened? Like, why doesn't anyone like what I write? I learned from William Peter Blatty and everyone's just like, you just sound like a dick all the fucking time. <laughs> There's conversations that are clearly supposed to be in a script. It was clearly supposed to be in a script. I can fucking tell. Like, okay, if you're writing just as a tip for junior writers out there, or just people that are trying to like learn more about the craft. There's a lot going on when people are having a conversation and there's a lot of aspects of conversation that are nonverbal, right but you don't put those in scripts typically because you kind of leave that up to the actor because they can kind of figure it out and the director tells them what to do you know like hey you're having this conversation having an uncomfortable uncomfortable conversation between two people you would be like all right hey you're uncomfortable and uh, you're kind of domineering so like this the girl that's in it she's uncomfortable she'll hold her arms and stuff you know the actor gets to make all of those decisions but the script has the words they're supposed to say. Hey, yeah, stop talking to me like that you're making me feel bad I'm not making you feel bad I'm gaslighting you and you don't feel bad you feel great no I don't you're gaslighting me whatever the fuck and so like if you're writing that out you know the stage direction all the stuff that the actors Would be doing you kind of have to put that In the book to some degree you know you don't Have to fucking like hey he walked over To the, the desk he picked up a cup He looked at the cup he thought about his fucking dead wife From six years ago and how he didn't gaslight Her and that was his biggest mistake So now he's going to gaslight this bitch and fucking, uh, fucking, man, you don't have to do all that extra stuff, but, like, him crossing his arms or her, like, looking away, scratching her chin, thinking about stuff, having some internal dialogue, a little bit of breakup in the consistent, consistent back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It, 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 can, it can be good, especially considering, like, if you have six quote blocks right after each other with, no, he said, she said what the fuck i don't know maybe even most of bladdy's thing it's there but I, and i have to get into the narration now because it's kind of indiscernible from the writing william peter bladdy is the most irritating narrator i've ever heard in an audiobook ever and i have listened to stephen king narrate his own fucking stories before which is some of the worst shit you'll ever hear this is this is stephen king reading any fucking stephen king story well, and then he went over to the car and picked up something out of the back, which he had found once upon a time, six years ago. That was a time when Reagan still reigned supreme, the full emperor and his king in, in, in his in his gown of nudity. But he had no time for that now, and so tossed it away, pulling a Pack of palm oil cigarettes out of his chest and lighting a match with his thumb. Like, and that's just the, the whole thing. It's like if Joe Perrin narrated an audiobook, but like somehow his voice is like gravelier and shittier. I don't know. Like he's been smoking, spent like 45 years smoking cigarettes and, and chugging Listerine and cocaine. So, like, it, it's bad, right? He has no cadence. William Peter Blatty is somehow the opposite of having no cadence with a lot of character and no character. His voice, too, is the voice of a longtime smoker. William Peter Blatty's voice is about this fucking deep the whole time, and he has a very conversational way of speaking it. yes, And she came in and talked to him, and he said, oh, no, 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 I I think what you need to do is you need to call a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist? Oh, yes, a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist would be able to diagnose this problem and then maybe get back to you on a Sunday. She thought about the Sunday that she had a, a party to go to. And, of course, John would be there and also William, who's embarrassing. No, 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 I, I can't go to a party then. I, I think I should go to a party uh, possibly next week, and then maybe I can find a psychiatrist. Oh, no, a psychiatrist, you need us. psychiatrist. And it's this back and forth like this. There is no, no fucking character difference between his voices at all. None. A two-year-old. Reading a book about a dude and a girl will still go, you know, and then my mommy said, oh, hi, I want you to sit on your chair. And my daddy said, oh, you better sit on your chair if your mom said, you know what I'm saying? Like even a little kid knows to differentiate between the voices in a story so you can fucking understand who the fuck is talking and like if you're a really good narrator which i've been listening to and not me we can say you can say it's not me all right and i'm full of shit i have been listening to the uh, i I can't remember his name but they narrate all of stormlight archive and they narrate narrate all of uh king killer chronicle actually no not killing king killer chronicle but uh uh, 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 the Wheel of Time from Robert Jordan, right? It's this, this uh, couple. I don't know if they're a couple, but they always work together. It's a dude and a lady, and they're great. The guy's voice is typically like this when he's narrating. And then if there's a young boy, he'll talk like this. And then there's an older person and he'll talk like this. And if there's someone that's a little bit sinister, he'll talk like this. And even if it's just their motives, you know, and like he's got like a cast of dozens, he still differentiates between the characters and and more importantly, their affectation in the scene. Like he's he's like, it's like he's read the book, (laughs) which is insane to say because William Peter Blatty wrote the fucking book. It feels like he never read it, but there's, there's like, there's, there's a good rhythm to it and also pauses, you know, like, okay, I understand that like in conversations, you have conversations and you dip low and you you think to the side and you go, uh, no, that's not what I was going to say. What I meant to say was his phone number uh, starts with a seven and uh, I think it ends with a two. Oh, okay. It ends, it starts with a seven and ends with a two. Uh, What about the three in the middle of it? Ah, uh, and you know you 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 pop back and forth, right? And you can put those pauses in. But the most important thing is if you're going to pause and you're going to dip and you're going to dive and duck and 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 change your your level of intonation and volume while you're talking, that the fucking people can understand what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> Blatty for most of this is the most mumble fuck, dude. People in Wes Anderson movies do not mumble this much. The whole time And it's like this weird Self-satisfied Smirking Shit-eating grin for the entire time And it is absolutely It's the fucking worst, man I don't know how to say it Like I really do I get irritated with him sometimes And it gets worse Somehow I don't know how But I do know how And I will describe it So, um, the book is bad. Let me talk about the book being bad for a little while before we get into more narration because then I can get into the demon parts. So, uh, in a fundamental way, this book is, this book tries to give a lot of credence to pseudoscience kind of in a consistent way. To anybody, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck people were thinking in the nineteen seventies. Uh, the people that raised the Boomer generation were some were on some shit, um, in in every sense of the fucking word. But in this book, at one point, they r- try to rule out demonic possession. Two um, John Hopkins trained psychiatrists discussing the nature of Reagan's possession try to rule out demonic possession because she might have simple psychokinesis (laughs) it might not be a demon she just might be telekinetic is a fucking excuse given and they're just dead serious and like the thing is the whole thing is presented as though it is like scientific like really this entire book and it 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 oozes with it from the beginning it is an indictment of new age um therapies and like new age beliefs so people that like meditate and um people that do like sort of like uh, you know like yoga and stuff and and like crystals and shit which is like fine i guess it's kind of lame but All of that like new age stuff is like kind of indicted and blamed for this divestment from really this divestment from traditional values and more importantly from Catholicism. And it's not like really stated outright, which I guess it makes a good propaganda in a way um Chris the main character whose daughter is you know Reagan who's like really not given any t- Reagan is not as far as i can remember she is not a pov character at any point in this book so she is literally just a plot point in everybody else's stories, which if you think about it is not only really kind of fucked up, but also extremely Christian, like in a fundamental sense, like a prepubescent girl just has no agency. She's meant to, she's just a problem that has to get fixed. And, uh, a divorced woman, Chris, the main character, no matter how, Rich and successful she is, she cannot do this on her own. She definitely needs a man, and that man needs to be a Christian, a Catholic man. They ask her if she's divorced or her husband or Ralph or Ronald or whatever the fuck is somewhere else. And uh and, and you know, sinful people are punished, and it is very shady. And I'm like, I'm fucking on to you. I'm on to you, William Peter Blatty. Um and most of the middle section of the book, uh, I, 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 I can barely remember the intro. It, it's it's dull. It's very dull. Most of it has to do with kind of, I can't remember. It was like a fucking demon or some shit, I, some possessed thing. I think it's the Pazuzu statue or whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's the inciting incident that actually causes Reagan to start being possessed. And I think... I don't really consider stuff from through this lens. So it's kind of interesting. If you look at it through a misogynistic lens, I guess, then you can see that it actually is about, um, Chris focusing on her career and leaving her parental duties up to hired help and failing to be the mother, her child needs and notice that she's being, um, possessed. I think if you look at it as a misogynist, then it actually makes more sense. But, um, Actually, if you look at it as a misogynist, it's a good story. <laughs> but only if. So, you know, though it's fucking dull, though. It's it's her and her her career, which is fucking boring. And uh, we we're going to do research. And there's this guy, Bert, Bert, Bert Dennings. He's a, a British person. And it's William Peter Blatty gets to do his British accent and say cunt all the fucking time. And every time he comes in, he's like, I've lost my cunting drink. I've lost my cunting this, my cunting that. And it's like, uh, if you don't like that word, I'm sorry, but I had to fucking listen to it this whole book, so now you get to suffer too. That that is uh, what that character does every time that character comes on stream, on stream, on scene. He just says, uh, cunt this, cunt that, over and over and over and over and over again. It's incessant. And, uh, and, and, uh, just a little bit fucking irritating. <laughs> Ultimately, um, the Bert Dennings is fucking killed by Pazuzu, uh, using Reagan's body. They say that he, she's got immense strength. This is She turns his head backwards and then throws him out of a fucking window. Um, and like, there's a subplot where the, uh, some cop is trying to fucking connect the dots and figure out who killed this guy, even though it's possibly like a a, a accident. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The cop is fucking irritating. He's supposed to be like, I don't know, like a good detective and he's, but he's like in, he just, he talks too fucking much. Everybody talks too fucking much in this goddamn thing. They have these conversations full of like these bon mots and back and forths. That I, I don't know. I, there's got to be somebody out there that thinks it's really clever wordplay and really fucking interesting, but the characters themselves are not interesting characters. So like their interactions are also fundamentally not interesting. And the stakes are kind of hilariously low because it's hard to give a fuck about Reagan because she's not a character. She's just a, a little girl. And I guess if you have a paternalistic misogynist view on the world and you're just like I, I would just do anything to protect the little girl it doesn't fucking work in this she's always off screen she's a a, a a voice in another room and like when Reagan gets to be there it's just she's just a screaming voice coming out of this blistered shit covered body that is like got this clever cackling demon in it and it, it's just it's kind of absurd at points and it's really hard to uh, to give a shit I guess in a movie you can kind of see things like equally from everybody's point of view to a degree, you know, and even Reagan can be like scared and, and and like nervous and stuff, and so she can like really portray that. But in the book, it just doesn't fucking come across. It's very irritating, and it's uh, and she has multiple identities, and her there's like a, a well spoken devil, and there's like an angry devil, and there's Burt fucking Denning's, and her. Facial features contort to his, and he's, "You killed me! She cuntin killed me! Blah, 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 blah. Fucking uh, blah. And like, we're only now at this point. Am I getting into the actual fucking exorcism? And like, I'm exhausted by the book. I literally can't listen to it for fucking like long periods of time. It's that fucking bad. It is that bad. I challenge you to go listen to it in real life and tell me if I'm fucking wrong. But it is unironically one of the worst books. And one of the worst audiobooks I have ever listened to. I finished every other one of them. Even the Ronald Malfi thing, that was really dull. I finished that. I finished a bunch of other boring ones. This one is fucking bad. It's also how I know I'm paying attention to books. And these other guys were just like really dull writers. I fucking remember everything that's happening in this. It's just fucking, it's fucking irritating. It's really a fucking irritating goddamn book. I hate it. Oh, my God. Uh, just as a, as a, oh yeah, the gross parts. This dude lives for the nasty parts of the book, and you know, I'm I'm a fucking I'm a die I'm a piece of shit dude. I've been all through the internet, but this dude William Peter Blatty is like fucking grimy when he describes like a child like doing stuff to herself. Like, my man is about it Like, it is a freak show Like, oh, and then she touched herself Slower, slower This and that In, like, this low, fucking, like, grimy voice I mean, he's so, it's so I guess you're trying to sell the grossness of the scene But, I mean My man couldn't sell me fucking water in the desert And uh, This is the one thing he's really turning the charm up for It's fucking gross, bro It is so fucking nasty and, like, it really is, like, it's too much at points. And you guys, if you're here, you've read my writing. You, I'm the guy. I wrote Don't Want. I did that. I voiced all of the characters. I described the things that happened. And I'm telling you, I'm fucking telling you, this shit's worse. It's the fuck, and it's so fucking jarring, too, like it's bad jarring. I try to keep an eye out for that. There's some times where I'm like, all right, this is my moment and I'm going to get people. But this dude jump scares too hard in a fucking audiobook, right? With no cues at all. And we'll just start fucking screaming into the microphone, clip out, bah! fucking just absolutely destroyed. <laughs> like I'm fucking working out, Gah! fucking scaring the shit out of me. And not in a good way, not like a, oh, hey, I was waiting for this, just a loud noise in my ear. I will give him credit for one of the best jump scares that I will ever get hit with in my life, which was completely unintentional and completely pointless. The, okay, so in this entire thing, Reagan is a character throughout the entirety of this book, throughout the entirety. She is a girl. She is like 10, four, between 10 and 13. I can't remember. She's prepubescent, pubescent-ish, whatever the fuck. I don't I don't really give a fuck. Um she is a character. Her voice is there. She talks. William Peter voice. Peter Blatty voices her at some point for no reason. And I think this recording is made earlier in the book. You get to do a recording or you get to hear a recording of her talking. No, it's her to her. It's before the book. It's her talking to her dad, right? A little girl talking to her dad. And I'm like, okay. And then he played the recording. You know William Peter, and then he played the recording. Where I can't even do his voice; it's it's got too much character to it. Um, and then all of a sudden, the voice of an eight year old girl, a literal eight year old girl, goes, "Hi, Daddy!" Like what in the fuck? It literally shocked my heart almost out of my fucking chest because I was in the zone. I was drawing. I was just. In and out. I'm listening to this goddamn William Peter Blatty as read by William Peter fucking Blatty doodling and all of a sudden i just hear like a little girl speak in my ear hi daddy what the fuck what in the fuck what in the fuck was that through the roof heart rate at 120 recovering from goddamn covid i almost fucking died The literal worst jump scare I will ever get out of a book like that because I'm also, I'm wearing my, my full on audio processing headphones. They are, they have great bass response. This also, for some reason is only on the left audio track or like back. So I think they were using some sort of stereo mic and like I'm dead ass. William Peter Blatty is a grandpa when he recorded this. He's This is recorded, I think, in 1996. I looked it up because I was so pissed about it. He was It was 1996. He recorded this and then brought his uh, little granddaughter or whatever into the room. Then he says, oh, Why don't you come over here and, and narrate into Grandpa's audiobook? I hope you weren't listening to any of the rest of it. And she... She's reading, and it's just a little girl reading. Hi, daddy. Hi, my name's Reagan, and I'm eight years old. Four lines. Four fucking lines from this goddamn eight-year-old in this entire book. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. It threw me through the fucking roof. It was the most insane shit that has ever happened to me in an audiobook. It doesn't seem that big. Scared the fucking daylights out of me scared me i didn't know the fucking audiobook was in stereo <laughs> and then they put this little bitch in my ear on the left track like i oh, like i'm gonna fucking die dude like i'm gonna fucking die oh my god i haven't finished it yet but like i don't care to explain it in context of the entire story. There's no way that they're going to get into the exorcism and I'm just going to go like, fuck all that shit. I said before taking it back, dog don't mean nothing to me. Doesn't mean a thing. Actually, this was all worth it. Maybe I could be wrong. I would love to be proven wrong by this, but I, I just don't think fucking bladdy has got the goddamn chops. You know, this is, it's just the case because this is really, and I think I I can start closing it out with this. This is a gimmick novel and these were, uh, uh, are—they're still a thing. It's a gimmick novel. I think William Peter Blatty is really just like a one hit wonder. I think the only other thing he wrote was whatever became the exorcist part three adaptation is the only other thing that he wrote. And I think they took less from that than they did from this for the first part. I could be wrong. I'm like remembering people talk about shit. Um, I, you know, I could even, I could even look it up, but I, I I really don't care to. The thing is, is if somebody writes a book and then like that one book is the only thing that ever fucking pops off and they never write another thing again, it's a one hit wonder type deal. Uh, they're gimmick writers. His gimmick was he wrote a book about a Catholic exorcism at a time when unironically, um, the church's original decline started was in the, in the 1970s. You know why that's because when we had, we had uh broadcast news, um, started talking about priests, fucking kids, um, at all. So, you know, you had that first, that first major descent out of Catholicism for the, uh, the great nineties and then the precipitous post two thousands plummet. But Um, yeah, I think he wrote one other book. I, I don't know him for anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like I I can name, I don't even like Dean Koontz that much. I can name fucking like four fucking Dean Koontz books up off the top of my goddamn head. If I couldn't name the actual title, I could still probably name the fucking plot. I think you can actually, with Dean Koontz, you kind of just make shit up. Um, yeah, here, I'll, I'll give you four titles. Tell me which ones aren't and are. Dean Kuntz books. <laughs> you know what? Uh The Face, The Light, The Flame, and Odd Thomas. Which ones are and aren't Dean Kuntz books? But um, you know, even Dean Koontz is there, you know, he's he's pretty reliable. He can turn out more stuff. And and William Peter Blatt, he was just a, a fucking one-shotter, absolute one-shotter, and it and it really shows. I don't know without the concept of this exorcist or this exorcism, there is nothing to this book, you know, and I, I haven't even gotten to that part. So that's the good part. And it's buried in the last, you know, 10, 15% of the goddamn thing. You still have that with a lot of authors today. They write one thing, everybody talks about it, you read it and it's not very good. And then it goes away because I, it's just, it's a gimmick. You know, it's a, it's not that the book is good or even really worth reading. It's just that it has like an interesting premise. I mean, like it's the log line sells it. And then if that person can never make another good log line again, they don't ever sell another fucking book. Anyhow, I guess it's sad to say I haven't technically really sold any. So, you know, hey, shit on me if you want, but fucking I'm not wrong. That's the fucking fact of the matter. (laughs) Uh, Ultimately though, man, William Peter Blatty as read by William Peter Blatty. The worst. The worst fucking audiobook I've ever read if you if you've read this book or 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 listened to it really, if you've listened to this audiobook, please tell me what you liked and didn't like about it i i want i i I want a uh william Peter Blatty disappreciation society not really I mean you, got, you know, the guy's fucking dead, so you know what can you do but oh my God, don't ever buy this. Um, rent it from your library your local library if you feel like you have to to hear it it is not worth your time it's not even funny enough to be bad my descriptions are funny enough to be worth it It, like so bad it's good Um, my descriptions of it are probably all you need and uh, I think with that I'm going to end the segment (laughs) William Peter Blatty uh, The Exorcist forever (laughs) So the last thing I want to talk about today, our final segment on this episode of the West Side Fairy Tales podcast, Uh, Whore and Lit Club, is uh, going to be a movie that came out of nowhere for me. It's ancient as fuck, and it's amazing. It's called Stalker. It's a 1979 Soviet film from the actual, from the Soviets. It's Russian as fuck, Um, and it's called Stalker, and um, I... I love it. So this is like, um, it's rated number 29 on the 50 50 greatest films of all time, uh, list by the British film Institute. And, um, it's really just fucking amazing. Uh, I feel like I got to talk about something positive on the way out. Uh, especially since one of the last things I talked about was (laughs) William Peter Blatty's. The exorcist is read by William Peter Blatty. Um, This movie is fucking wild. It's not like exciting or action-packed and it is uh, 161 minutes long. So that's two hours and 40 minutes, but it's so fucking worth it. Um, Fans of video games and Russia might recognize the name stalker from the video game series of uh, roughly the same name. And, uh, they are actually connected. They, they, they share a spiritual, um, a a spiritual origin in the, um, novel roadside picnic from the 1970s. Um, I think from the 1970s, let me just double check that. Yeah. From 1971, um, stalker i'll talk mostly about stalker so stalker um in this it, it, it's kind of an odd translation from the original um russian i mean it basically means sort of the same thing but in russia this stalker translation stalk means to like creep not to hunt um as would be more the the more typical um Translation for us. So it's not somebody that's a hunter. It's somebody that's kind of a creeper. They creep around. So um, in the somewhat future of the world, there are people called stalkers. They live outside of an area called simply the zone, um, ostensibly in Russia the zone is blocked off by almost all of or almost in its entirety from entrance by the government of the area it's never really said explicitly that it's a soviet government it could be any sort of government and the only real indication that it's russia and uh, you know the greater soviet union in in a general sense is just the language that the people speak and some of the um ways that they dress and their affectations. And that's pretty much it. Um, so I, I I kind of like that too, because it does give it, um, this sort of ethereal, uh, alien sense to it that I, I really appreciate. In um, the movie stalker, we follow three people just known simply as the professor, the writer, and the stalker who is the main character. The stalker is a professional guide into the zone, which is a, Dangerous, forbidden, supernatural area um, where typical laws of physics don't apply and there are um, – In the book, at least, and in the video game, there are specific special artifacts and stuff. And there's there's a lot of draw to guide people there for them to do research, for them to try to find things to bring out of the zone and uh, to find certain areas in the zone that have uh, special properties. Specifically, in the case of this movie, an area known as the room, which is located sort of in the heart of the zone and um, is very dangerous to get to. Uh, And if you go to the room, the suggestion is that you will have whatever wish is in your heart granted. And so kind of the theme of this and like what sort of surrounds people is what is the wish that is there? And is it worth it to travel through this place? And, you know, what is the nature of the zone? And uh, just kind of the zone is its own character in itself and it's fucking amazing so kind of just i'll just talk about the stalker and how he gets through it so our our, our our stalker is just kind of like the most russian looking guy you've ever seen like the soviet russian he's got the zek style bald shaved up fucking head he's got this kind of like really intense look he's kind of an uglier dude um not a handsome hero you know he is this dude is a kind of like a blue collar worker. worker. He's very, uh, very much like a Sherpa up Everest. He's paid to lead people inside. It's extremely dangerous to get in there uh, just to get through the area outside the zone, which is a kind of dystopic, heavily controlled military checkpoint that kind of just riddles this Abandoned town slash industrial zone kind of similar to the Berlin wall where it's just built through these 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 structures and stuff Um, And there's there's just soldiers patrolling that shoot at people and there's like trains that kind of go in and out of uh, the protected area Uh, And and you got to get in there like just to get through that is extremely dangerous and harrowing and he knows kind of the area inside and out and when they're in this non-zone area everything is it, it just feels poisonous there's a permanent orange yellow filter um that the 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 film is literally like processed through that makes um all of the, the the blacks extremely dark and even some of the midtones are kind of just grimy and washed out all of the buildings are just like Mwah. chef's kiss fucking brutalized wallpaper shedding off the walls five feet by 10 feet sections that are just like hanging loose like dead skin there's broken shit everywhere dust the only things that are still sort of perfectly formed are the human beings you know and even they are just filthy and cold and wet and hungry you know, not to say that that's not also just because they're living in Russia during the fucking uh, the, the Soviet occupation, but also just like they, they just look grimy, you know, and and the sun seems to never really move. The light that shines in places is kind of everywhere. All of the rooms are too big or too small, the doors creak, the, the, the vehicles barely work. Uh, the only thing that functions reliably are the guns that people shoot at you with. It's fucking amazing. And I love every second of it. And then they leave and they get to the zone and then the zone has color. And there's a moment, a long moment for when you get to the zone, there's almost no music in this film, I think next to none. And there's a lot of just like uh native sound, you know, uh diegetic Sonic uh, storytelling kind of going on too. And when you get to the zone, it's empty and open and green. It's completely overgrown, but there are buildings and stuff in there. And it, it it feels dangerous because you go from this really protected area where like these trains can kind of go in and out, but they only go sideways along it. And these guys take this beater ass, pseudo train car thing that just rolls on tracks it's like a car that literally only fits four people and it barely looks like it should work and it just leads them in and then they have to turn it back on and and, and hit reverse on it and they just send it back where it came from so that's not even the way that they're going to be able to get out which is kind of crazy on its own and it's green and it's open and it's perfectly silent like completely quiet and like kind of as you're hanging out there the sounds sort of come back And a lot of these scenes are very slow. People have small amounts of conversation with them. And for a long time, right after they arrive, um, first off the stalker goes off on his own and he finds this sort of like area in front of this building and just lays down in the grass and just like, he has this like kind of ecstatic, like religious moment, like just being back in this, this zone area. And it seems like he knows that that place is there and that he can like feel good if he's there. And, Um, he talks with the guys and they have to put together these, um, they take bandages and like large metal hex nuts and they tie the bandages through them so that you can see them throwing them at stuff, ostensibly to, um, set off these quote unquote traps that might be laying out there. And you do get the sense that he knows that this place is extremely dangerous. All of the people in that town know, but the professor and the writer that are with him are from other areas where people kind of like doubt, um, the nature of the zone and how incredible or dangerous or like extraordinary it could be. His wife, for instance, at the very beginning has this like literal two or three minute long breakdown where she cries over him going back. Cause she'd rather him just get a, any sort of like normal job than ever try to go to the zone again. Cause it's so fucking dangerous. And he talks about this guy, porcupine who used to be a, a traveler in the zone and, and, and like, killed himself after he got back one time because the guy was leading his brother through and his brother died. And the, uh, the guy porcupine went all the way to the room at the most dangerous central part of the zone. And he had his wish granted. And when he came back, he found out that his deepest wish wasn't to have his brother to come back, but to be massively rich. And like he got all the money and he killed himself because he couldn't live with the knowledge that he was so uh, venal. You know, which is kind of fucking amazing on its own. And you never, like, really see this stuff. And you go, and most of the movie is just them, like, just walking through this fucked up place. And it's great. Because, like, a lot of this is just, like, really there. I think, I can't remember where exactly this was filmed. I think it might have even been, like, in the Ukraine. Let me see. It doesn't really say. Tallinn. They're near Tallinn. Estonia so a lot of it's I guess shot in Yeah okay they're real Yeah a lot of it's shot in Estonia Some shots were Filmed in Mardu And uh, The shots with the gates which are Fucking crazy are in Las Lasnamai In Estonia so yeah I guess it's Estonia mostly and You know it's got this really Soviet feel And there's these like power plants like I said Insides and outsides And um, at times you see burned down fucking tanks and shit that, that have been overgrown for years. And they're probably just like from that area. Like they're just leftovers from world war II that are just rotting in a field there. And it's just, it's just like amazing. And they go to all these crazy places and there's these long, slow takes. And it's just like ruins. There's a lot of recurring scenes where you see, tile um like tile floors or tile walls that are rotting underneath water which is like just great because it's like yeah they tried to build here and they that just didn't happen and a lot of that's talking about how like they the zone opened up and they tried to capitalize on the zone and build buildings inside of it and they proved too dangerous and stuff and like there's these uh traps that are everywhere that's why they have to throw these hex nuts and like the traps aren't Like they are in the video game where they're very video gamey traps where you'll just like, one of them is called the meat grinder, where you'll burst into like chunks of meat. You know, you'll get absolutely eviscerated or, or you'll get set on fire or, or, or tossed like into the air or frozen or whatever. Um, And in that game, you actually throw bolts instead of nuts, but it's still the same sort of thing. And as the, the, the show progresses, the nuts you see that the the bandages that they've hung from them are like they're blackening from just being thrown and like getting into these water. And then they find areas where they're like, oh, that means that there's a trap in there because somebody hung one of the nuts up in front of there. And there's like these areas where they go in and they start crawling and they come back and they go and they they find themselves like almost basically like they find their friend in the past, like a few minutes, even though they've been walking for hours. And it's great, and a lot of it is just conversations, which I won't get into because I'll have to talk about it for forever, but that ultimately it's kind of like what you want and what you can get. And it ends very on a very somber note like it it's it strongly insinuated that this like dangerous otherworldly place is like the only real unpoisoned area, but it's so inhuman and unnatural that it can't be lived in and neither can the world outside of it. So I think like this, this guy, the stalker, my interpretation, because it's like one of those movies where he finishes that the, the stalker, like the only thing he, he goes to the room and every time, like they make it to the room at the end, which is not a spoiler. And I think for him, it's, The fact that he keeps to get to go back against everyone, against his wife's wishes and stuff, he just wants to continuously return to the zone and justify himself being there in this beautiful place and having a purpose, throwing his little nuts around and and dodging traps, and so... That's what is in his heart is just to get to come back again and again and again and again. And he goes back to the room and he gets the same wish over and over and again. And I think all the other ones get their wishes answered too. And it's not the ones that they set out. You know, this, the writer goes because he wants to, um, he's afraid that his, help me out here his inspiration is going to go and the professor goes because he wants to like destroy this thing, but they, they, they kind of change by the end and, um, I won't get into it too much, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I love this film and I think you should really check it out. I've definitely, it's, I've heard of this described as some people's comfort films, as some people's comfort film as like, and it kind of just is very chill. Um, if you're the kind of person to, um, partake in herbal medicine. So to say, I could say this is probably going to be like a good three hour fucking run for you. You'll probably have the time of your life, uh, watching this shit and being like, wait, is it real? (laughs) And, um, you know, you can say, I, I think this is a movie that can't be spoiled. Um, I've seen it already. I could probably watch it three or four more times and pick up new stuff each time. It's, it's, it's very good. It's a very good film. It kind of exists beyond spoilers. So, um, I would say in closing, go ahead and uh, and definitely check it out. Stalker, nineteen seventy nine. Um, I think it's available on Amazon Prime. A lot of other places. It's a Soviet film, so you know, hey, comrade, just go ahead and get yourself a copy for free if you want to. And with that, folks, I think we're going to get into the end of the episode um of course next week we return with a, another episode the second episode of sin carriers which i believe is departure it's the second episode of the f- five part departure arc yes i think all of the parts are five episodes and one of them six or they're all five one seven and one, four i can't remember exactly i wrote it all down but uh it doesn't really matter this is part one of the four f- the first of the four arcs this is ep- going to be episode two um if you aren't familiar with arcs i've been talking about this before basically an arc is like a subplot within it so i know some people like to binge so in just a few months three months or so um if you are a binge focused um kind of consumer i would suggest starting then um i I will let everybody know that that arc is going to be completed and then you'll be able to listen to like kind of a subplot get started and then finished beginning to end and you'll be able to enjoy that little bit of chunk and then you can wait another few months and listen to the next one so that you don't have to wait for two fucking years to uh (laughs) to get the entirety of the story and i know that these are going to be spread out but people don't worry there is more content Sort of going to be leaking up through uh, the the spaces. Obviously, now that I'm back on regular hours, we are going to have the HLCs regularly again every month. I will be doing the behind the stories. If you are a $5, minimum $5 or up person on the Patreon, that is going to give you access to like basically everything except for um, free stuff. That five bucks, man, you're going to get the comic where I'm going to be putting out the third page either this weekend or early next week. And I'm going to be trying to put those pages out kind of weekly. The the only thing that's going to keep those slow, they're not hard for me to do, um, aside from the fact that I'm just not that good of an artist yet. I'm not that fast. So as I get better at art, they'll come out quicker because... I wrote the entire story in my head in five seconds. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't have to type it out. I can kind of just put it together bit by bit by bit by bit by bit and then uh, and then release it to you. So if you are interested in that, those comics, they are canon. They take place in the future of the West Side Fairy Tales universe and they will give – a little bit of a a little bit of a look-see into what happens after the end of the city arc. So check those out also for five dollars. get the behind the story episodes. Those go in deep deep cuts. If you are really interested in the lore, you want to know what's going on behind the scenes. You want to know what's coming up. Um, those behind the story episodes are going to be um, what what you really want to get after. Um, everybody that listens to the BTS, by the way, if you've been listening to me for a while and you're kind of unsure about f- pulling the trigger on the behind the story videos, um, that the, it's, it's a lot of just access to me. Why I write the stories, how I write them, Um, people that write me with questions about what the fuck is going on in this story, who are these people, what are the connections, all that stuff is in the behind the story stuff. And it's not really very spoilery, but it does give you a way to get uh, a little bit of a deeper access into those things. Also, check us out on Discord. Um there there should be a link to it in this if there's not always just check out the west side fairy tales Horror and lit club loop group on facebook. I have links there as well Hopefully, uh, my voice didn't sound too bad I, I think it's I think I sound pretty much normal I got a little bit deep there as the the frogs built up in the back of my throat, but um, i'd wanted to do this, uh over a week ago and now i'm finally getting to it because i'm Sick, of course, everybody, please 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 if you get a second recommend download read the the ebook version of the eyes beneath my father's house that is the novelization of the fourth season of the west side fairy tales i'm going to be hawking that motherfucker uh wherever i go and if you buy a physical copy of that Permanently stands. No matter how big I get, if I get super famous, if I don't, if you find me anywhere and you have a copy of that goddamn book, I will fucking sign that piece of shit. I don't care if I'm fucking eighty and I'm on my deathbed. I will do it. That is a that is a promise. Hand to God, like the old uh, the old craftsman return policy of the of the bygone era. The I will sign physical copies of the uh, the eyes beneath my father's house. Now, if there's like ten of you in a row, you will have to you know will become. Uh, first come first serve But uh, that aside Go ahead and get yourself a copy of that I'm on Twitter Whining about politics If you don't like that shit Don't follow me there I'm on Instagram I'm doing TikTok I'm still trying to figure out the TikTok thing How I want to go about it um, All the stuff that I get views on For TikTok I've actually blown up a bunch of times I've gone viral like five times now On that goddamn app None of it has anything to do with my fucking writing It's all anime And uh, cab shit but if you like that sort of stuff, follow me on TikTok. That's Westside Tyler. Um, I've been thinking about trying to get the stream started up again, but I don't know. I got too much going. If I did, it would be while I was drawing, and uh, it might be like, you know, I don't know, something that people really aren't that interested in. But, you know, hey, if there's other stuff that you want from the podcast, other other content that you're interested in, hit me up. Do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns? Do you have any problems? You want to argue with me about any of the stuff in today's episode? westsidefairytales at gmail.com hit me up you can talk about this you can talk about the stories you can tell me uh you 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 like them you can tell me uh sometimes that the playback doesn't work and i will try to fix it i'm always around westsidefairytales at gmail.com and again 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 patreon.com slash west side fairy tales folks we are trying to get up to at least 100 subs at least 100 by the end of this year you know we got friends in the podcast game they've been blowing up for years 1,200 2,000 subs this is the year I push it this is the year my grifting ass finally sells out and starts trying to get you people to support me (laughs) in a monetary way but of course if you don't want to do that interact with this video interact with this audio this episode every episode any way you can on any podcatcher you can comment even if it's just just say tyler what's up hey how you doing fuck you i love this episode doesn't matter start a fight in the comments hit the like buttons go to apple itunes Hit the review, do anything, like it, just try to get, just blow us up, man, anywhere you can. And please, if you get a second, share this on Twitter, share this on Facebook, this and any episodes that you like and tell people to check it out. You guys are the ones that make the podcast bigger. I can only do so much. So if you like this content and you want us to grow, I need your help. Thank you a bunch. Don't forget, next episode of Sin Carriers comes out next week. That is the first Friday of this month and every month for the next few years. And hopefully I write enough in that time that I can make a seamless transition one-to-one, episode-to-episode, maybe sell some shit in between. Keep your eyes peeled for tour dates. I'll be getting around. I am definitely going to be at the Book Fest in Charleston, West Virginia, signing shit, selling shit, giving away things for free in October. So check me out then. Come visit. I don't bite and hopefully I will be completely immune from the COVID uh, disease by then. All right, with that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna depart. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, thank you for everybody that sent me well wishes uh, while I was convalescing. I am not 100, percent but I am almost there. And uh, all that stuff that you guys said to me really did help. You guys really do make this shit happen. Thanks a bunch, and until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast. Due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.